If you have your Bibles, can you stand with me as we read the Word of God? Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 2 and 3. If you have it, say, I got it. If you don't, say, wait on me. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 2 to 3. And I'll read in your hearing, I'm reading from the voice translation of the Bible. And the Bible reads, I don't understand why you spend your money for things that don't nourish or work so hard for what leaves you empty. Attend to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the riches, most delectable of things. Listen closely. Come even closer. My words will give life and I will make a covenant with you that cannot be broken a promise of my enduring presence and support like I gave to David. Bow your heads with me as we consider the subject, one size doesn't fit all. One size doesn't fit all. Father in heaven, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We ask that you speak to us and our response to you will be out of your abundance, out of our gratitude for what you have already done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. I've learned that there are some drugs that you take, they don't deal with your sickness. They deal with the symptoms. When it is that you have a cold or a flu, if you're like me, you might take some Bayer, ibuprofen, Advil, or Aleve, hopefully not all three. It deals with the symptoms, the sniffling nose, the sharp headaches that go up and down your head, the sore throat. But four to six hours later, you need another pill. Not only does it not deal with the symptoms, but some of the side effects of the drugs that we take are worse than the sickness itself. And in the commercials for some drugs, they say the side effects softly they're given the benefits of the product throughout the whole commercial. Then at the end of the commercial, the side effects are set in a very low tone or set in a very fast manner, or it'll be in fine print at the bottom of the screen where you can barely even see it. The medicines that we take, most of them don't deal with the disease and the side effects outweigh the benefits. Some people live their lives acting as if they have the flu. They're managing the symptoms while the problems are still present. They go from breakup to makeup. They go from alcohol to ecstasy. They go from the scratch-off lottos to the casino. They have a desire for something better, but they settle for less destructive behavior to cover up the pain of a broken life. They make resolutions for a new year, but the resolutions deal with the symptoms. And 10 days after the resolutions are made, the main issues of their life still hasn't been dealt with yet. Okay, I, I won't mess you up. I'll just talk about myself. God says in verse 2, why, Joe, do you spend money for that which is not bread? Why do you spend your wages for that which does not satisfy? When my cousin died and my brother died and my father died and my friends died and I was reliving my mother's death, the pain was so great, I didn't try to cover it up with drugs but I tried to cover it up with food and with things. 
I won't mess you up. I'll just talk about myself. I spent money on things that was not bread. Things that were unhealthy, things like chocolate, things like ice cream, things like Oreos and candies and cookies. Cookies and things I didn't even like. I thought that if maybe I could eat something that made me feel better, maybe the pain of grief wouldn't be so great. But the side effects, insomnia, the side effects, becoming irritable from the insomnia, the side effects, feeling shame and gaining weight, is worse than the grief itself. Thank God I caught myself and accepted myself and began improving myself and began dealing with the real issues. Not only did I engage in comfort and binge eating, I won't talk about you, I'll just talk about myself. I tried retail therapy. So I'd be walking through the mall, seeing happy people and happy couples and happy families. And I'm walking through Macy's, thinking about all of the people that I've lost. And I can't binge eat because I'm already full. But the pain comes back. So I have a desire to spend my money not on food, but on things that don't satisfy. I think that if I buy that sweater, if I buy that pair of shoes, if I buy that hat, that shirt, that suit, then maybe it won't hurt so much then I can escape into a world where nobody is dead and everything is fine. Things will look good on the outside, but the side effects of binge shopping are worse than the disease of grief. And you'll find yourself on the 10th day of the year taking clothes to the thrift store because you cannot even wear them. Dealing with the real issues. Now check this out. I have a grief counselor. I have a therapist, I have a support group, and I'm still preaching, I'm still attending church, and I'm still giving my money to the church, but not all of the problems have been dealt with. Here's what messed me up. I'm walking through Macy's a couple months ago in San Francisco, and I see this Kenneth Cole suit. Now I'm exercising, I'm lifting weights, and I'm riding the bike again, I'm eating the veggie fast food, um, and I see this slim cut suit, and it catches my attention. I like the design, I try it on, it fits perfectly. And when I look in the mirror, I can see the people behind me. And I think about my brother and my father's death and I'm tempted to do some retail therapy. I begin to justify the purchase. Saying, Joe, you got the money. You won't use a credit card, your savings are good. It matches your shoes. You got the hat to match. In my mind, I could hear the Spirit say, Joe, don't do it. You'll regret it, and you will not deal with your pain. The Spirit began to say to me, Joe, don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. And I go home, I look in my closet, and I have the exact same coat, except it's a different color. Grief, hear me, makes you lust for things that you already have. Sin makes you want things that you already have. I wanted something I already had, but I couldn't see it because I didn't want to deal with my problem. But I only wanted to stop the pain. God says, why are you spending money for that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Okay, okay. Um, you, you don't binge eat. You don't do retail therapy. Maybe you're saying my, my issues are worse. They're worse than grief and death, Pastor. You say, Joe, you don't know how deep my stuff is. Okay, I'm having sex, but I really want intimacy. I'm not dealing with the loneliness, but it covers up the pain of being alone. 
And I have more broken relationships with broken people, and I begin to hate myself in the process. And I find myself today with the side effects being worse than the disease. God says, whether it's binge eating, retail therapy, sex, or alcohol, God says, you're looking for the spirit, but you have the wrong address. You cannot deal with the problem with the same behavior that created it. Stop taking temporary medicine when what you need to do is see the great physician. God says three things in verse two. He says, I am what you need. I have what you need, and I can give you what you need. He says, listen carefully to me because I am what you need. You listen to everybody else. You listen to your friends, your random Facebook friends, famous TV personalities, musicians that act deep, and these self-help authors, they're all good and fine. They will inspire you. They may even make you cry. They may help you cope. They may even help you release some endorphins. But God says, when are you going to listen to me? You listen to everybody else but me. People are in pain. Not you, but people you know. And they think that the bartender will help them. They go to the bar, they drink, and they spill their guts to the bartender. He sounds so helpful, and you're so comfortable. But hear me, the bartender is messed up just like you. And he'll call you a cab, taking your money, but you'll still wake up with a, heck, with a hangover and a headache the next day. Some people think if they can just talk to a stranger, then it'll help. All right? So they'll go to the strip club. And they'll talk to an exotic dancer thinking that she's a good listener and she's not judgmental. Knowing that her life is more of a wreck than yours. And no, I don't do alcohol. No, I don't go to bars. No, I don't go to clubs. But what God is saying is stop listening to broken people and bring your broken life to me. You've been dealing with the symptoms. But the disease is festering and the pain is pregnant. God says, when are you going to come to me? I am what you need. God says, if you call, I will answer. The cares of your life have drained you dry. It's gotten serious, almost disastrous, the deception and the lies, and you're overcome by feelings of despair. You're trying to find the answers everywhere. You're running to and fro, asking everybody you know. But God says, come to me. When the world is on your shoulder, come to me. When you come to me, I guarantee I'll take it over. There's nothing too hard. No impossibility if you would just come to me. God says, I am what you need. But not only that, but I have what you need. He says, eat what is good. All right. Um, God says, you've been watching Scandal. We're on a break until the end of February, um, but you've been watching um, Housewives of Atlanta, um, Tyler Perry movies, reading Ayanla's books, and, and watching the Oprah channel. Um, they can inspire you. They can relate to you. They can comfort you, um, but they can't fully feed you. They deal with the symptoms. You cry. You might feel closer to your family, seeing people more miserable than you, but God says, when are you going to eat what is good? They're okay but they're only appetizers. What you need is the main course. 
You're looking at me saying, preacher, are, are you telling me to read my Bible, study my Bible, and search my Bible, and giving me another to-do list? That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, when are you going to give God a chance to speak to you? God says, eat what is good. Give me a chance to speak to you. Give me space in your life for my voice. If you're like me, you may not be able to read the Bible in 90 days. If you're like me, you may, not be st you may not be able to study the Bible for six or seven hours like those super safe people with a lot of time. But can you listen to God word, God's word for whatever amount of time? Give him space in your life. Um, Forrest Gump, um, I, I learned some stuff from him. He said, life is like a box of chocolates. Um, you never know what you're going to get. I didn't understand what he was saying until I got a Christmas present. Um, because usually um, the things that we get in the office is the Snickers bars, the Hershey's chocolates, and the Kit Kats. And it's, uh, it's wrapped in plastic, and everything in the plastic is the same thing. Um, but Forrest Gump said, life isn't like a candy bar. He said, life is like a box of chocolates. And I didn't understand until I got my Christmas present. And I saw that God wasn't like, the Snickers bar. It wasn't like the Kit Kat or the Baby Ruth. I'm getting hungry as I'm preaching. Um, he said, life is like a box of chocolate. And when I got a box of CeCe's chocolate, I understood what Forrest was talking about. You see, when I got the box of CeCe's chocolate, the box itself was inviting. I had heard other people's testimonies about the candy. When I saw the candy in the box, I was attracted to the candy I was afraid to buy it for myself because it was kind of expensive. But when I got it as a gift, I could hear the spirit saying, Joe, eat what is good. And I tore the wrapping open and I opened the box and I saw the candy and I smelled the candy, but I was afraid to touch the candy because I did not know what I would like. You see, when you open up a box of Snickers, it's all the same. But when you open up a chocolate box, it's all different. And you never know what you're going to get. With CC's, I didn't know what kind it was or even if they were good until I ate them. I didn't, know what, I didn't even know what kind of chocolate was inside until I actually took a bite. I had to taste and see that the chocolate was good. And when I tried the chocolate for myself, I got hooked and I wanted more and more and more. And what messed me up is that the box was full of different chocolates. And I wouldn't know what kind it was until I tasted one after the other, after the other, and after the other. Hear me, I needed an experience with the chocolate to get hungry for more chocolate. And the more I tasted, the more I wanted. I became a testifier. And I'm sending out text messages with pictures of chocolate saying how good it tastes and people getting upset with me, sending me texts back saying, where is my chocolate? I became a witness for CeCe's chocolate. I even went on Wikipedia and got the history of the company. And I saw that they're based here in California. I even wanted to see if the box that the candy was wrapped in was recycled. I wanted everybody to know that I had found a great product, and it was given to me as a gift. And I was sitting there eating my chocolate, and God began to speak to my spirit saying, Joe, eat what is good. Let your soul 
delighted self in abundance. And I asked the Holy Spirit, um, are you inspiring me or constraining me? And I put the chocolate down. I was inspired. And God says to me, salvation is just like a box of chocolates. It's an invitation. If you're in pain, if you're in distress, and you've tried everything twice, you got the t-shirt and the coffee mug, and you're still not satisfied, God says, come to me and eat what is good. Olivia Pope can inspire you with a scandal. But God's word and God's word alone can speak to your situation. All right, how many scandals do you want? A preacher marrying a prostitute. Okay, that's not you. A deceiver named Jacob marrying two sisters, and one of the sisters becomes a pimp, and the other becomes a swinger. All right, that's not you. A king seeing a girl taking a bath. And he sends his boy to get the info, and all of a sudden he gets this late text saying, I'm late text. How many scandals do you need? God says, you've been inspired by books. You've been inspired by movies. You've been inspired by late night TV. But when are you going to let me speak to your situation? And I learned something about chocolate. That one size does not fit all. Each piece of chocolate is different in the box, and each piece of chocolate has a different taste. And the only way to know the taste is to taste each piece. God says, whatever you need, I am what you need. Wherever you find yourself in your life, I will give you what you need. But you have to let your soul delight itself in abundance. You know from other people that the chocolate is good, but you have to try it for yourself. You know from other people what flavor they tasted, but you have to check it out for yourself. God says, let your soul delight itself in abundance. God says, you don't have to be a window shopper when it comes to me or my word. You can jump right in and take what you need. One size does not fit all. Whatever you need, God says, you don't have to live by chocolate alone. But it says, you know, it says bread. But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But you have to want me. You have to be thirsty for me. You have to be hungry for me. You have to try me and taste me for yourself. All right, you don't have to be like Homer Simpson and Peter Griffin on Family Guy. I know you all are good at it. Adventist and you don't watch those shows, but, but um, I heard um, on Family Guy and the Simpsons, um, they would go to a restaurant and there would be a sign, and the sign would have a number, and it would say buffet, all you can eat. But what they really meant is all you can eat within reason. But Homer and Peter Griffin would go into these restaurants, and they would want to eat and eat and eat, and pitch a camp, and eat some more. But they want you to eat, pay your bill, leave a tip, and go home. God says you can treat me, not y'all, but your family members, the way you've always wanted to treat Golden Corral, or maybe Old Country Buffet. Okay, you get up early in the morning on your day off, and you go to the restaurant, um, you get a good seat, you bring your own utensils, 
your own condiments, your own salad dressing. You bring a book and a tablet. Why? Because you're going to be there all day. You get one serving, you pull out your iPad and you begin watching TV to let the food digest. You go back for more, repeating the process until you know the servers, until you know the hosts, until you know their name, their kid's name, and all of their birthdays. You're letting your stomach delight itself in abundance. They might look at you like Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson. They might call the police on you if you actually tried it. But the sign does say all you can eat if you stay there. Digest your food and let some time pass. You'll never leave. God said it's like that with me. Um, you don't have to do jumping jacks and sit-ups before you go to eat. You don't have to count your calorie intake with me. You don't have to do laps afterwards. You don't have to push away servings. God says with me, take all that you can handle. But check it out. God says, I want you to taste and see that I'm good, but I want you to try different flavors because I want to be your personal savior. You call me Jesus. That's my name. But for some people, I may need to be a counselor. You call me Jesus, but to some people, I may need to be an elder brother. You call me Jesus, but some people, I may need to be the Prince of Peace. One size does not fit all. You are unique. You are different. You are special. Some people might relate to God as king. Some people might relate to God as father. Some people like me may relate to God as a shepherd or a lover. Some may relate to him as a quarterback. Some may relate to him as an owner. Some may relate to him as a hero from another world. Some people may relate to him as a hero from this world. But whatever flavor God has revealed is the flavor that scratches where you itches. But God says, when you hear that scratch, you have to taste for yourself and let your soul delight itself in abundance. You see, um... The first time I, I tweeted um, to a famous person and they retweeted me, I, I, I got goosebumps. I'm like, this person knows me. Um, no, they don't. Um, you can know some stars vicariously um, through fan clubs, if those still exist, um, through social media, through Instagram, um, through Facebook, Twitter, um, all these other platforms. Um, they might even retweet your stuff and send you a message, direct message. Some of them are crazy. You can know them vicariously. But hear me, you cannot know God from a distance. You have to know him personally. God is like your partner. Um, he has a love language. He has a love tank. And when you're not spending time with him, he misses his time with you. Hear me, God doesn't want anything from you. He wants to give something to you. The invitation of God is not to take things from you, but to add something to your life. God says it's not just a gift that you need to receive. You need to receive it, but you need to unwrap it. And when you begin to unwrap him, um, you fill yourself up with something. If you eat too much chocolate, not only will you get cavities, um, you might get a stomachache. Um, I, I learned that a couple weeks ago. 
If you eat too much chocolate, you might get indigestion. You reach a point of saturation. Um, so what you receive, the box of chocolate that I got, I couldn't eat the whole box. I tried. I had to give some of it away. God says, when you're tasting me and you're letting your soul delight itself in abundance, you're hungering and thirsting after me, you can get so full of him. You can have spiritual indigestion. You cannot keep him to yourself. You are so full of him like the woman at the well. You run, hear me, and tell the people you sin with to come and see a man. You're so full of him. You want to tell your family, come and behold the Lamb of God. You're so full of him. You hear him say in Revelation 22, 17, that the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And whoever thirsts, let them come. Whoever desires, let him come and take of the water of life freely. You have a choice, church. Um... You can be a testifier, um, or you can be a test-a-liar. I made up a word. You can be a testifier, or you can be a test-a-liar. We all know what a test-a-liar is. Um, they send out texts of the chocolate, um, but they ain't never taste it. They act, they're acting like they tasted chocolate in the box. Um, you, you, you took the chocolate, but you threw it away, um, because you were in, in diet reform and you were counting calories, or you bit into the chocolate and you didn't like the favor, and instead of coming to get another piece, because there are other types of chocolate, you give up tasting and seeing, but you smile at me in my face, acting as if you like the chocolate. That's a test of liar. You can be a testifier, a test of liar, I'm about to make up another word, or a test of teaser. Um, a tested teaser, they want to hold on to the box. All right. A tested teaser, they want to take pictures with the box. A tested teaser, they want to be seen with the box, but they never open the box. They have the box full of chocolate. They'll tell you what you need to taste, but they've never tasted for themselves. There's no excuse when you have the chocolate in your possession. Hear me, I didn't work for the chocolate. I didn't pay for the chocolate. I didn't even have to stretch for the chocolate. It was brought to me, but I had to reach out and take it. I had to unwrap it, and I had to taste it for myself. So God says, listen to me in verse 2. But God says, talk to me in verse 3. It's not enough. To just listen to your lover. You got to talk to him. Verse 3 says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. God says, incline your ear and come to me. God says, you come to me for food. You come to me for blessings. You come to me when you're in pain. If you're like me, you come to him with chocolate. But God says, now come a little closer for conversation. And the problem with most of us 
is that we treat temptation from the enemy better than the invitations that come from God. We treat temptation better than we do salvation. Hear me. What are you talking about, preacher? We respond to temptation quicker than we respond to salvation. What are you talking about? Um, Oswald Chambers, in, in, his, in his famous devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest, he says, the way sinners deal with sin and temptation is the way believers should deal with righteousness. When God asks us to come to him, we deliberate. But when the devil asks us to sin, we deliberate too, but the duration of the, de of the deliberation is shorter with temptation than it is with salvation. What, what are you talking about? Um, the time it takes for me to make a decision to respond to God's invitation is longer than it takes for a sinner to make a decision for sin. All right, so I'm walking past a casino and I have the money in my pocket and the temptation comes to my mind to go gamble. The temptation comes to my mind to go make it rain. The temptation comes to my mind to go pop some bottles and I have a choice to make. Do I lose my rent money or do I go make it rain? And I say in my mind, I got it, um, I can do it, let's go. And in about 30 seconds, the temptation has come. I have deliberated and I've made a decision. Hear me, I'm walking down the same street um, and the same amount of money's in my pocket and there's a homeless person in front of the casino with a sign saying we'll work for food. And my mind says it's better to give than receive. And I feel impressed to give. But I say, let me think about it. Let me check some of your references and I'll get back to you. Let me do a background check. Let me Google you because I don't know what you're going to do with my money. Hear me. It's never a convenient season to respond to God. When God is calling you, when God is asking you for an invitation, the call to respond is always now, but we say, no, God, give me a couple days to think it over. But when the devil comes, we say, let's go, and we run quicker to what harms us than to the person that can heal us. What if we treated salvation the way we treat sin? Um, how about we do this instead? Instead of making a decision for sin um, before we even wake up, um, how about we make a decision for this year to respond to God the way he responds to us? Um, Isaiah says, incline your ear to God. How about you make a decision to respond to him the way he responds to you? If truth be told, not you, just me. When God calls me sometimes, I don't answer the phone. I see his name on my screen, and I just let it go to voicemail. He texts me, and I just don't respond. He tries to get my attention, and I say, I'll holler at you later when I see you in the street. But I'm so glad that he doesn't treat me the way that I treat him. The Bible says that when I call him, he's right there with me. 
When I pray to him, he's right there in the fire with me. When I cry out to him, he's right there in the lion's den with me. What would happen in my life if I made a decision to respond to him the way he responds to me? Um, the youngins, um, I feel old. The youngins say today that you got to play it cool when you're responding to a love interest or a potential candidate for a love interest. Um, all right, not y'all, j- just how I used to roll. So you meet a girl, she give you her number, and you wait for three days. You go on a first date, you don't call to, to let her know you got home safe. You'll text her a few days after the first date, you wait. Okay, um, they text you, and you don't respond immediately, but you wait a few hours. Why do you do that? You don't want to appear desperate. They say whoever likes the least and have the least amount invested in the relationship controls the relationship. But I'm so glad that God doesn't treat me the way that I treat him as soon as I call him. He doesn't wait three days. He doesn't screen the calls. As soon as I call him, he doesn't wait for it to go to voicemail. He's blowing up my cell before I can even finish the text. God says, let them call me infatuated. Let them say I'm full of puppy love. Let them say that I'm desperate. But when they think, when they want to think that when they call me and they're wondering what I'm going to do, When they call me, I'm going to answer them. God says, incline your ear to me because my ear is inclined to you. I pray to God because I know he's listening. Psalm 116 verse 2 says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. All right. Psalm 17 verse 6 says, I call upon you, my God. For you will answer me, turn your ear to me, and hear my prayer. Some people know their Bibles. God says, treat me the way that I treat you. Hear me, one size does not fit all with prayer. You ain't got to talk to God on your knees. Some people walk out their prayers. Some people type their prayers. Some people journal their prayers. God says, however you talk to me. Just talk to me. If you want to treat the disease, you have to talk to the physician. If we could start this year saying, God, whatever you have for me today, I want it. Whatever you want to say to me, I receive it. I'm making a decision to respond to you the way you respond to me. Not only does he answer me when I call, um, I learned in Isaiah that God answers me before I call. Um, So if I make a decision to respond to him the way he responds to me, that means I have to say yes before God asks me anything. If God says yes to my prayers before I pray them, what if my spirit was so in tune with God that I live with my yes in front of me. What if this year 
I live with a preemptive yes. So God, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I'll trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. That's a lie, by the way. But at least my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. What if I lived with my yes in front of me? God, whatever you ask me, I will have already said yes. I give you permission in advance. What if I approach God? What if I approach prayer? What if I approach worship the way God approaches me? So before I talk to the doctor, before I approach the doctor's office, I have already made a resolution in my spirit to listen to whatever the doctor has to say. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of covering up the pain. I'm tired of numbing the pain and controlling the pain. I need the great physician to deal with my pain. Some patients can testify about the doctor. Some people can put grades on the internet about their doctor. Some people can give you a referral to the doctor. But you have to go to the doctor for yourself and get what it is that you need. God says, come to me, listen to me, talk to me, and your soul will live. Um, I, I got the CC's chocolate from a good friend of mine along with um, a Butterfingers um, candy bar. I ate the Butterfingers first, and, and then I took um, the box of candy home, and then I opened it up, and I, and I opened up the box, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of chocolate in here. And I tasted one that I thought I knew, and then it was just too much. I, I tried to eat another one. I just ate half of it, and I put it back in the box. That's just nasty. And then I put it in the refrigerator for about a week and a half. And I'm telling everybody about this gift that I received for Christmas, but it's stuck in my refrigerator. It was too rich for my taste buds. I'm not the kind of person that re-gifts gifts that's given to me. Um, it, well, I'm not going to mess you up. Gifts that are given to you that don't fit, that you don't like, you'll re-gift it. Hopefully, you'll put it in other wrapping paper with, a, with another card, take the tag off, and you'll re-wrap it, and you'll give it to somebody you don't necessarily like. Re-gifting is inhospitable with regular gifts. But re-gifting is perfect when it comes to God's gift. So I took the box of CeCe's candy and I took it to work. And I'm eating the chocolate in front of my team. And they see me eating the chocolate and they say, Chaplain, you've eaten so much chocolate in the two years since you've been here. Why don't you share the chocolate that has been gifted to you? So I began to pass the chocolate around. And people began to ask me, who paid for this? What do you want in return for this chocolate? What strings are attached? What can I do for you for the chocolate that you're giving me? And I just said, it was a gift that was given to me, and it was so good, I just had to share it. Regifting what God had given to me. That's what you do when you're full. 
when you hunger and thirst after God, you're so full of what he gives you. If you keep it to yourself, you might get cavities. If you keep it to yourself, you'll get indigestion. You have to give it away. The woman at the well, when she saw Jesus, she ran and she said, come and see a man. Come and taste the chocolate for yourself. She became a testifier. She became a testifier. And when they came, John says that they spent days with Jesus and they said, we believe not because of what she says. We believe for ourselves that you are the savior of the world. There's somebody here. You're tired of being a tested teaser. You're tired of being a tested liar. That was me. That is me. And you want to taste and see for yourself and be a testifier. If that's you, I invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. You want to taste and see for yourself. You're tired of the Snickers bar. It's all the same. You're tired of the Kit Kats. That's all the same. You're tired of the baby Ruth. It's all the same. It just numbs the symptoms in your life. But you see Jesus saying, I'm like a box of chocolates. When you come to me, you may not know what you're going to get. But hear me, you're going to get the thing that you need. If that's you, no, I'm not giving away chocolate. But you want Jesus. You want him to deal with the hunger in your soul. You want him to deal with the pain of 2013 that's still present in your spirit. If that's you, I invite you to come to the front. I'm going to pray a special prayer of healing just for you. You want him. You want to taste him for yourself. You want to let your soul delight itself in his abundance. He's not asking anything from you. He wants to give you something. He wants to add something to your life. He says, come to me and I'll give you the thing that you need. Trust me, it's not retail therapy. It's not comfort eating. It's not sex, alcohol, drugs. God says, come to me. And I'll let your soul delight itself in the body. Is there another? I was going to buy all y'all CC's chocolate, but there's too many of y'all. You want to let your soul delight itself in abundance. Hear me. I'm not going to tell you what that means for you. That might mean something different for you than it does for me. But God says, whatever you're thirsty for, whatever you're hungry for, I'll meet you at the point of your need and give you more than you ever dreamed. Is there another? Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thought Forrest Gump was crazy. We thought he was stupid. We didn't understand what he was saying. But Lord, for some strange reason, you saw it fit to give us your son. And he says, come if you're hungry. Come if you're thirsty. 
Stop spending money for that which does not satisfy your hunger and your thirst. But Lord, this year, we want to listen to you. This year, we want to talk to you. Father, we ask that you go to our pain. That you go to our pain and you won't numb it. You won't cover it over. You won't put a band-aid on it. But you'll hold it in the palm of your hand. And heal it in a way that only you can do. If that's what you need from Jesus, just respond by saying amen. God bless you. God bless you.